Welcome, you're listening to the Leading Hope Podcast. My name is VJ Williams, here with my friend and pastor, Kevin Jack. Thank you for joining us and taking time out of your day to become a better leader. If you're new, we release a new episode every Wednesday. We'd love for you to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Get this delivered to you every week. Also, share this with a friend on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. And rate and review on Apple Podcasts. A few extra minutes will absolutely help get this podcast in the hands of so many more leaders just like you. Also, visit leadinghope.com online to get updates and find out more about the leading hope community we continue our series today kevin crafting a vision this is one five four principles for the vision process yep boom so we are part three (laughs) part three of four three on crafting a vision and what that looks like. So first part in the series, we took you through why a vision matters so much, why you need to have a vision, elevates, yeah. become, alignment, unity, human agency. You can go back through that. Second part, we talked about what will kill your vision before you ever get started and how you can do too much or do too little, do way too much of the wrong work or way too, yeah. way too little of the right work. And so what that looks like. Today, this is what I wanna do is I wanna give you the key principles for your vision crafting process. And then next week, I'm going to take you through the whole process that we use. Oh, the plug. Yeah. And I just want to like, we'll go through it yeah. and we'll, but that notes page for that podcast is going to be a mile long yeah. because I'm going to give you every single question that we asked, every piece of the process that we used, if it's helpful. Wow. But for today, and I think this is, man, I, I hope for next week, I hope people can go, oh, so that's what that looks like. Yeah. Oh, but I'd, I'd rather you kind of create your own. Yeah. Like, I hope it's helpful. But I'd rather you just don't go, because I crafted it, not like, oh, this is the exact way. I crafted it in our context for our team and our people. Yeah. Okay, so there's reasons why I crafted it, why I did. But these principles, I believe, will help you be able to go, okay, this is what it needs to look like. So So you're saying tune in next week, but this one might be the one that you really need to pay attention to? But you may not fully grasp this one until you hear next week. So listen to them both. There you go. Okay. Got it. Here on Leading Hope. Listen to them both. <laughs> Don't miss. <laughs> I feel like such a cheesy salesman when I do anything like that. Yeah. That was, Next week is really where it's at, funny. except for this week, the which funny is really part where it's is, at. Is we can actually laugh at ourselves. <laughs> yeah, because we go. laugh at ourselves every week. Accurate. It took us a long time to start this episode because you yep. kept laughing at you. <laughs> That's true. Four principles. Four. For creating your vision crafting process. Principle number one. Create as much input as you possibly can, okay? You want as many voices to be able to speak at some point in time into this process as you possibly can. Think of it like this, input equals ownership, okay? People will not own something that they haven't been able to speak into. Input always equals ownership. Even if their feedback and input is not helpful, (laughs) the process of allowing people to speak into it is helpful and important. So how can you get input? Uh, I I believe you need to create avenues to listen. Um, Listening groups, surveys, lunches, thousand other things in the world you grasp at. There's a thousand different ways for you to get input. We'll talk about like kind of where you need different levels of input next week and what that looks like. But 
But to really think through to go like, I, I, I believe that as you're creating these avenues for input, you're looking for input over identity and the future. Who are we? And where do you think we're headed? What do we value most? What opportunities do you see? So identity now, who are we now? And where are we headed in the future? I could phrase that a thousand different ways, okay? Identity, values. Identity, mission. Identity, focus. Identity, what are the stories that stick most with us? Vision, opportunities. Vision, uh, what's new, what's different? Vision, what's exciting? Vision, what's our calling? What are we compelled to do? But that is what you're really looking for in terms of input. And this will give you some good ideas, um, some data points on what is, but it will not give you the vision, <laughs> okay? Yeah. Is again, well, we created this avenue for input and we're still not sure what we're gonna, what we're gonna do. You won't, <laughs> like you won't. And here's the, um, I, I don't mean to say this in a demeaning way, okay? The vast majority of people aren't good at thinking long-term. Like that is that is a skill that I believe is somewhat innate, but it's also a skill that needs to be developed over time. And we never actually get to exercise opportunities to develop our long-term thinking skill, which is why people make decisions that six months down the line, like we bought a house and then we had a kid and we outgrew it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... Well, you didn't, you didn't ever have a conversation on that. Like you didn't, you didn't see that coming yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a possibility. And we're just, we're just not good at long-term thinking. Yep. And so I want to say like, as a leader, don't expect the clear vision to come out of the opportunities for input. That is to create ownership, to give you some data points and to give you some good ideas as you navigate that process. So principle one, create as much input as you possibly can. Principle number two, set the vision with the largest group you possibly can. Ooh. Now, here's where I want to be really clear. Yeah. The largest group you can <laughs> actually navigate that conversation. And the reason why the largest group is because input equals ownership. And the more people you're able to get in the room, the more ownership you create. But it, it's not the number of people you can fit in the room. It's the number of people that you can navigate in that conversation. So if I could throw out some numbers, and I, I want to be clear, I have led large group meetings for most of my adult life. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's kind of my bread and butter. Yep. It's the thing I've done more than anything else. I can lead a vision crafting, a strategy session with 20 people who are aligned in their thinking. If we're already operating on the same set of principles, if we already believe the same things and understand a same foundation in our thinking for the most part, I can, I can navigate a conversation with 20 people. If we're not aligned, 10 at best. Yeah. Like if we're not aligned, if I'm doing like really strategic planning, I really want no more than eight and I'd actually prefer five. Yeah. And so I want to be clear as you're kind of thinking through that, you're going, man, what is, what, what does that actually look like? Um, principle one, create as much input as you possibly can is really about effort. Okay. That's about how much work are you willing to put forth to hear from so many different voices so people have ownership. Principle number two is about skill. <laughs> And you have to know that about yourself. Don't think you're going to be able to go, oh, yeah, sure, I can meet a, lead a meeting with 30 people. Because just say, first off, you can't. Yeah. I just want you to know that you can't. But you need to be aware of your level of skill of how many people can you actually navigate in a conversation. Because yeah. the people who I found who think they can lead meetings with large groups of people are typically people who just dominate meetings. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, this is a great meeting. 
Oh yeah, really? You did yeah. all the talking. It was an information <laughs> download. It was like no one else said a word. Yep. Great meeting, bud. <laughs> True. There we go. Yep. Principle number three is you need to set standards for the vision. Now, this is what I mean, is before you know what the vision is, you need to talk about what you need the vision to do. Before you know what it is, you need to clarify what you need the vision to do. Now, there's all these different levels of thinking. Some people say like, the vision for your organization is the light at the end of the tunnel that's a thousand years off that's gonna guide the organization forever. Other people say the vision gives you clarity over the next three years. Other people say the vision gives you a finish line in which you can like measure your success by. I'm not saying any one of those are right or wrong. Right. You need to decide ahead of time what you need the vision to do. And this is why that's so important is because my guess is, is that other people on your team have been through a vision crafting process and they already have baggage from that process and they already have their own ideas about what a vision needs to accomplish. Yeah. And so if you don't first say, this is what the vision needs to do, they're going to think it needs to be something different than it actually does. Yeah. Cool. And uh, so if I could just give a, a little bit of ours, here are my standards for the vision. As we were coming across ours, I said, hey, here's the standard. This is what the vision needs to do. Before we know what it is, it needs to be passionate. I said, I want this vision to be something that is gonna compel and repel. <laughs> I want, when people see this on the wall, when they hear us talk about it, I want some people to immediately go, I'm in, and other people to go, I'm out. Like that was a goal of mine. I didn't want everyone to see themselves in it. I wanted it to be passionate. Uh, the second thing, I wanted it to be a filter. I wanted it to be clear enough that this became a filter for our decisions and made it really clear when we should say yes and when we should say no. I was looking for a filter for our decisions. I want it to stretch us, okay? This is my third standard. I wanted us to look at that and I wanted us to feel intimidated by it. Because I had said earlier, like, hey, vision, like, raises the bar on what we see, what we do, and who we become. I wanted it to do that. I wanted it to be like, oh, man, we got that. We can crush that. I wanted it to be a significant stretch thing that at the time of the writing, we would go, I don't know how we're going to do that. And then the fourth thing for me is I wanted the vision to have a finish line. I wanted us to have a clear standard of did we hit it yeah. or did we not? And so one of the things that I'm always adamant about with a vision, and most people aren't, okay? So I want to be clear. This is my standard for it, is I wanted a quantitative metric in it that we could gauge success by. Right. Because I've just found when people only use a qualitative description of the future, people just lie to themselves too easily. That's good. And so I wanted a quantitative metric in that. And so I, I believe that's important that you set standards for the vision. You clarify, this is what our vision must do. And then you can enter into it. Anything? Nope. Good? Nope. Yep. Good. Okay. And then this is probably the most confusing part, but this is the fourth principle is I believe that your vision should work in this pattern. <laughs> and this may, this may be different, okay? If, if you don't agree with me on the finish line, if you don't agree with me on the clear metric, you may go, I, I actually don't like that, okay? That's fine. You, you have freedom to abandon the fourth principle. I don't think you should abandon the first three, okay? But I believe that this is the pattern you should work and think in in terms of your vision. And that is problem, focus, metric, inspiration. Problem, focus, metric inspiration and this becomes the guide 
the structure for your statement itself, but also for the conversation that you're having. And instead of simply starting of what should we do, you need to answer what problem are we trying to solve? That's great. What, what's the issue that's at stake? Yeah. Because part of that is that clarifies the vision. It makes it clear. The other thing is it drives urgency for your action because you realize there's something wrong that you need to go after. So first, problem. Second, what's our focus? Okay, if this is the problem that we're called to solve, if this is the wrong that we're called to make right, what is the thing we actually need to do? For me, the third one is metric is, I believe we should tie that in. What will be the indication that we've achieved it? You may just throw out metric and you may say evidence if you don't like that as much. And then the fourth one is inspiration. And this could be, why does this matter so much? How is the world different, better? And I think that when you write your vision with these four in mind of problem, focus, metric, inspiration, problem, focus, evidence, inspiration, but it also helps that conversation when you actually get in the room, which we'll talk about in the next episode. But like when you get that set the vision with the largest group you can, what do we talk about? How do we go about this? If you just go, all right, what do we, what do we want to do in the next 15 years? I, I believe you just run through this iteration problem focus. What could be the evidence? Why does this matter? All right, let's go back. Let's more clearly define problem. Focus, yeah. metric. And you just keep tackling those questions over and over again. Tons Ton here. Oh, tons, man. tons to break down. I'm going to go uh, principle by principle here, just starting with the first one where you said create as much input as you possibly can. We have about five minutes or so here left, but I want to get through as many of these questions as I can because I know go. these questions are, there's a lot here. Like if, if someone's really starting this out for the first time, or maybe they've done it a few times, and it just hasn't come out to the outcomes that they expected. They didn't really drive the organization forward or, you know, maybe it's yeah. stunted growth or whatever. They're leaning in this like, man, that is a lot. The previous episode, previous episodes, you said this is going to take a minute. Yeah, it's not going to happen. You've been here six months at Highland Park, seven months now, seven months. Uh, and this is still in process. Yep. Still in process. So knowing that the questions that I'd have is uh, on the first one, create as much input as you possibly can. You said input equals ownership. All in on that, like more people at the table, giving the yep. ideas is great. How do you, because there's always that couple few people <laughs> that are going to say, yeah, they're never going to take, I'm going to say stuff because they want to value the culture that says stuff. Yeah. If they never take my ideas at any of these meetings, I don't think they really care about this value. Yeah. What do you do in those situations to in inspire them to say, keep giving me ideas, even though we're not using them? Um... I don't have a good answer, but this is my answer. Okay. Is uh, people who have a victim mentality from the start as part of the vision process are naturally going to bow out, and that's okay. Gotcha. So don't worry about that if that's their viewpoint. And some people may look at that and you go, no, 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 that's not the case. That's not the case. And the reality is some of them may have just been through a bad experience. Sure. Where their vision, where their ideas, they had good ideas. Right. That really no one cared about. Right. And so they're concerned about committing their time to something that they're afraid is meaningless. Yeah. That's different from the person that it doesn't matter what environment they're in. They have the mentality, no matter what idea I give, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Does that make sense? So yep. for the, so for the first group, you will automatically create trust by clarifying Absolutely. the process. Yep. Okay. And that's what we talked about. Like, like you got to be clear on the process. Cause you got to understand, Hey, right now 
in this input, we're not setting the vision. We're just getting ideas. Yeah. So don't expect me to say, awesome, that's the vision. Let's go. Right. So, so that's, that's question one. The second one is based off the principle to set the vision with the largest group you can. Uh, this one we could spend a lot of time talking on, but we'll, I'll just, I mean, we can debate. I think the problem is, is people will debate too long on how many people should be yeah. in these environments. I mean, you gave kind of some rough numbers of 20 if everyone's aligned. 10 yeah. if if they're Which is so hard not, to just like right. throw them out. Um, but what I think the better question or the question maybe someone's in, how are you really deciding that number based on where you are in the process? And yeah. does that number change based on where you are with principle one, two, and three, or how far are you into this vision? So principle seeking? two is meant to be the actual group that decides the vision. Okay. The people who say, this is the vision. And so I think this is not input on the vision. This is setting the vision. Okay. And it's such a hard flux thing. Like you really, as the leader, have to be able to go, this is exactly what I need in order to accomplish it. And I know we can accomplish it. Yeah. It would say like, man, you can, you can set it with 15 of the right people and it'll be a breeze. But if you have five of the wrong people, it's going to be awful. Yeah. And I, I'm just thinking for the person that's thrown into a, a leadership position that yeah. reports to a... Uh, a, a panel, a board, yep. right? Like yep. they already have to include these people, whether they're aligned or not aligned. Yep. They're not getting to choose so much to speak. And one of the things we really know at the end of the day is most people, I think they did a study on this, really struggle with long-term strategy. Oh my gosh, yeah. Like it's like the hardest thing for people to can, uh, what do I need to do this week? What's the most yep. important thing that matters this week? Over a season of two or three yep. months, that's, I can get behind that, but hey, what are you going to do over the next five years to accomplish this giant thing? Yeah. People are like, I'm out. So here's a like, just quick pro tip. If the group that you need to set the vision with is a board and you have a board of over 20, ask the board to vote on who should be a part of the vision setting process. There you go. Because you can't, you can't do it with that large of a group. Uh, we had, that's really important. We had 14 in the room counting myself. Yeah. And it was hard. Yeah. Not because of the 14 people in the room. Right. It's just hard. Right. Exactly. So I think that's important. That's really helpful. Uh, clarification. Um, cool. The last one or not last one, but the principle three set the standard for the vision. I just, I, I, I think this is so important. There is a ton here. And I like, I think this is a whole nother episode, but I want to ask you specifically where you put uh, the Kevin Jack standard for the vision, yeah. right? Which is the importance of this podcast you said you said to compel and repel yep someone is gonna struggle with that yep because they're like i need everybody on board yeah. to move this ball down the field football yep. analogy because yep. that's what this whole thing's been about <laughs> right i need everybody we, got it. we had to get at least one football right. analogy everybody in on this needs to be a part of this play that we're about to run or yeah. we can't advance this as far but you're saying not necessarily. I need something that will compel a lot of people, but it possibly will repel. Yeah. Explain that a little more because I think someone might need some more meat on that bone. When uh, we read the vision to the group that worked on it, uh, they immediately started cheering. It wasn't like I read it and I'm like, uh, how awesome is that? Yeah. Like I'm finishing the last words and you can hear the room like, whoo, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then just broke out in applause yeah. and people are chanting. And it's like, we're, we're eight hours into a vision setting process. Right. People are exhausted. Yes. And they're cheering. I just don't have any interest in being part of something that I'm not excited about. Right. And I'm not going to be like, there's no excitement to it. If 
it's so generic that everyone does that make sense? Yes, yeah, absolutely. That people if are it's just going like, eh. to inspire passion. It's also going to turn others off. Yeah. And so if you want something that everyone will be a part of, you give up passion. That's great. It's a good explanation. Uh, I know we're out of time, but I'm going to ask this last one because it's so important. Uh, or ex- actually, I want you to actually tell if it's important or not, which <laughs> is uh, you said the last one, uh, work in this pattern, problem, focus, metric, expression. You said the first three we absolutely have. And I know you're reading this. Yeah. You can abandon it. But what's your sales pitch to keep it? Oh, to keep the metric? Yeah, because you know, yeah, you said the principle four was like, hey, if oh, you could yeah, throw yeah. this out, it wasn't that, yes. you know, these other ones you need. But the principle four, meh, you could probably. But my, my thing is to you, salesman pitch right here why they need to keep principle four in the process yeah um i think the for one i just think it's the easiest way for our minds to think and to create that passion on it like like to simply just give the vision without understanding the problem you're trying to solve doesn't show the urgent need for it yeah and so i think this is the way that our brains are wired our brains are wired I need to do something because there's a problem and this is the indication and this is why we need to do it. And so I just think this is the way that you actually tap into how people naturally think. That's great. Uh, anything you wanted to say to wrap up 154? Next episode, I'm walking you through our whole thing, giving every last detail of it if it's helpful in any way. There you go. We'll see you next week. But for today, thank you for joining us. If you're new to the podcast or haven't yet subscribed, it mean the world to us if you did that. Now, also post about it, rate and review or both. You won't believe how that helps get this in the hands of so many leaders just like you. We love hearing your stories of how the podcast is helping in your business or your life. Life. Uh, and if you have a story, visit leadinghope.online and send that to us. We would love to hear from you. And remember, everyone has 20 minutes to learn to become a better leader. Make it count. Woo!